As the crisis and tension mount in Israel and Lebanon, stay with the MEP report for up-to-the-minute updates and analysis like this. If we base things then on, you know, the equivalent of Tonka trucks, like why not just have a whole series of things based on on that instead of stuff that's far more dangerous. You know, we could yeah. do that. Why don't we just generate a big mint system of like platinum Tonka trucks oh, and hand them out to awesome. each country and you can have that decide everything. That'd be awesome that would be generally. so much better. I absolutely agree. Oh. Or and then the world leaders would have Tonka truck be... races where they would dress up in the finest suits <laughs> and then like crawl <laughs> along the mud on their knees pushing the Tonka trucks. The MEP report. Saving the world with Tonka trucks. Left my home back in Omaha See if I can make it out in the world And I got as far as Wichita Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore Lost all my friends in Los Angeles I'm not welcome in New York But I must stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always crying out Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the MEP Report, episode number 39, July 19th, 2006. What's up? 39. 39. 39. That's right. Germany has invaded Poland. The emu is there. <laughs> and we were here. So what's going on, everyone? Welcome again to the MEP Report. Uh, welcome back into our little uh, place. And, you know, I was hoping that I could announce that we had advanced to round number 10 of Cast Wars, but they haven't actually posted it yet. So we're just going to have to assume oh. that we're close to the edge, Greg, and all we need is you to vote over it. there oh, yeah. by starting oh, that sentence but the way we No, no, no. No, no, we're still well in it. Okay. No, I think we're still well in it. Everyone seems to think that, you know, there's, we've had more and more listeners and fans, but they just haven't posted it yet so um we should okay. hopefully know sooner rather than can later can you still vote in the meantime yes absolutely you can, can still you go vote post voting okay yes absolutely right. and, and no, i'll you be know, back guys yeah Bye. so <laughs> that's right he's going say, to not if you're if you're listening to this episode you can only vote on the next round this round should oh be that's over probably true yeah that's, that's right. probably true but so still vote. You'll still need to vote yeah. because if everything goes well, we'll be in the next round and we'll only be one round away from winning Cast Wars. So we'll need you to vote either way. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. And Oh, my um, gosh. Did you yeah. know Wicked Good is the podcast of the day? Podcast pick of the day yes. on Podcast Pickle? Yes. Wow. I did not know that. Sorry. Yes. How about those guys? Sorry. I'm hoping that this they're going to become the guest picklers so they can actually them. announce this. Congratulations to Steve and Maureen, as there always. You go. And, um, yeah, so so uh, I know we have a bunch of different things to talk about, but I wanted to throw this out because um, my mom sent me an article, and she says on the top of the article, is this a MEP report publicity stunt? And the picture is a picture what? of an emu, and here's what the article reads. The, high, the headline is, no telling what an emu will do. Searches in two parts of state go on as flightless but fleet birds race off. In the space of about two hours, emus, probably farmyard escapees, were spotted in Middletown at about 40 miles northwest in Simsbury. The birds, native to Australia, may be flightless, but they can still travel as fast as 30 miles per hour on their spindly legs. The two seen Thursday have eluded capture for several days. 
One emu ran into the nearby woods before camp counselor Jared UL tackled the bird. Later, Julie Christensen said a mother picking up her child at camp spotted two emus along the road. We've tried to talk it into surrendering, but it doesn't want to do that, Middletown Police Sergeant Michael Marino joked of the emu on Bear Hill. Cromwell's animal control officer has been assisting the police department in finding the emu, but it warns that it is a dangerous endeavor. They have enormous strength, and they can kick forward and backward and break a rib if you don't know exactly what you're doing, the officer said. You have to corral them. The first thing I do is grab their legs and pull them together so they can't kick, said camp counselor Mark Perry, who cited the emu several days ago. Simsbury police captain said, if police cite it, they will contact the emu's owners. Splattered in mud, Uel mused on his successful emu tackle last week. I got it by the legs, he said, but that was easy compared to this emu. So let the emu soar is what we say <laughs> here at the Metroport. Amen. Run, emu, run. That's I right. Would this is a great I picture, that too. that explains our, uh, our recent bandwidth spike this week. All these know, exactly. emus tuning in. They're just trying to find mice so they can click and subscribe to the map report. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought we had Andy put away his emu suit. No, no, I guess. Well, it's possible no, not. I mean, the field. You know, he's on the run. That's what it's all about. So I was going to say, relating to what we talked about before, did you guys notice that there was an autopsy done of Kenneth Lay, and it said that he had severely clogged arteries? Clogged suggest- with money. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, you know, he'd already suffered two heart attacks, and, you know, so maybe this conspiracy doesn't actually exist. His arteries are very cowardly. They didn't really try to persevere through all the (laughs) plaque. Oh, I see. Should have. It's true. I mean, if they say a lot of those situations are sort of borderline, and they rest a lot with the person's strength and their will to live. I got to say, even if he didn't induce it, his will to live is like, must survive for years of prison <laughs> I, I don't think he had it i really don't yeah. think it was coming you know he was sitting there feeling the heart attack he dials 912 on the phone he's like oh, close <laughs> enough i don't care yeah i gave it i gave it the old college try it's uh, i was one digit off oh well i guess i don't have to go to jail well i suppose that's uh, i suppose that's one possibility but i just noticed that and the other thing i noticed was is the fact that um george bush has just used his first veto and he's chosen to veto people in wheelchairs you know what i love about this whole thing Uh, what i love is not that george bush thinks that stem cells are killing people you know which i think there's a reasonable claim to make that stem cells are fairly immoral and not okay Mm -hmm. and maybe even tantamount to some low level of death Uh, what i like is george bush being the moral arbiter about death no, I won't dirty my hands with that death. I can induce a conflict that kills 50,000 Iraqi civilians, but I won't dirty my hands with some American stem cells. Maybe it's just American death that Story, he's afraid of. Maybe, either you're with you know, us. He really is just that bigoted. That? Either with, with us or you're with the stem cells. That's what it comes down to. Either you're with us. Yeah. If you but harbor then, stem cells. 20, 2200, if you aid and abet you know, stem cells. You, even then, you can then I'll throw out the much smaller and less significant number of 2,200 American dead in Iraq. That's still he's valuing, you know, well, some stem cells. He's pro-life. He's also pro-Alzheimer's disease. You know, he just <laughs> likes a lot of different things on his plate. He really likes it when people die of degenerative diseases, and so, you know, you don't want to actually make progress towards those things. You just want the people to die. Yeah, it's tremendous. I'm not getting into that argument. I'm not trying to. <laughs> not even going there. 
not today. But it is a good point. I mean, it, it suggests that there's. I mean, I know that there's hypocrisy in all politics, and this is hardly a shock. But it just it does ama- It is a good point that you know life is paid attention to in a number of circumstances, and a lot of other circumstances, uh, not so much. The other thing that's an issue that this is something that I didn't understand until a couple of people sort of sat down and explained it to me, and I don't understand how there isn't way more fear about this. And this, I think, is like one of the huge issues of hypocrisy and why the whole right wing has its priorities backwards. But where do these stem cells come from? Because I've been told that they all come from the process of in vitro fertilization, whereby, again, according to my sources, and I could be completely wrong, but what I have heard is that they create like you know gajillions, Correct. you know, yep. relatively speaking, mm-hmm. of fetal possibilities, and then you just sort of handpick the ones you like, and the rest just sit there. The rest why are going to be, dis- not gonna be destroyed major, anyway. Why? Yeah, so is, right. These why, scientists take it out of the garbage, basically. Not, yeah. Right. Why is there not a major clamor about the morality of in vitro fertilization? Because frankly. I think think it's arguably even worse than abortion. I have never heard anything. Everyone states it is abortion, 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 abortion. But nobody ever talks about how it might be immoral to create 12 entities for the purpose of harvesting one. And, you know, like, if you think it's immoral to kill them, shouldn't you also think it's immoral to create them? Because the whole process is banking on killing 85% of them? That's a good point. I mean... Yeah, so, so yeah, so this is lighthearted and fun. It's uh, oh, it's been so a great lighthearted fun I have, discussion. I have a perfect solution. So, Why don't yeah. we just use Sudanese stem cells? Oh boy, <laughs> here we go. This solves George Bush's problem. He only cares about American life. He wants that to be a sacred thing. So let's just harvest a bunch of like. Iranian and Iraqi and North Korean stem cells. We'll just get them. We'll send in our special forces units. And if he he were going to do that, don't you think his first step would be to ban the use of American stem cells as a gateway? Of course. And then to start a war with every country on the planet? Perfect solution. He's enacting this plan. This is not a joke. This is his plan. You found the inner... The inner he knows of how the to Bush conduct strategy. resource the wars. Of his He's mind. big on resource wars. We need stem cells to fix these things. We don't want to use our own. Let's go get some, man. Go get <laughs> some. Solve your problem. You're not killing any Americans. I, Dude, I, someone should yep. mail him. Send him a it's letter. On. Send he an email. He already knows, Russ. He's already sent. Carl Rove already did. Carl Rove already <laughs> sent in that email like six years ago. It's underway, man. It's but see, underway. the thing is that if you do that, so what happens if it actually worked and the Sudanese stem cells ended up curing American diseases? Would not that then frighten the racists in Bush's conditions who are like, wait a minute, are you saying that some black people are helping the whites? No, dude, it's just parts, man. It's like going to a junkyard. You don't say, "Oh, the junkyard is so special because it can fix our cars." But that's what You're just like. Well, that's what bigots we did for there. We're gonna harvest most your of our history. They cared about the parts. I mean, do you guys realize that in the late in the 19th century, that people you know were classified on the basis of not just like they used to break it down. Well, you do know this, but they used to break it down by you know eighths and sixteenths. You know, you were a quadroon yep. or you were an octoon, octoon. based on how much yep. black you know how much uh, African American blood you had. 
had in you, and it was completely based on that. And it went, it was better if you were an octoroon than if you were like a quadroon because you had less blood. Oh I mean, yeah, you know. And I read something, you know, the other day about how George Washington, went, you know, his writing of this edict about kicking out all of the black soldiers in the Revolutionary Army because they were. You know, not because they had done anything, just because the presence of blacks was a scourge upon the American ideal. And he wrote that, those words, scourge upon the American <laughs> ideal. Great. So, yeah, George Washington, uh, ladies and gentlemen, your hero, your hero, <laughs> what, they're, what they're named for. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't go thinking too much about this country. It's true. But, yeah. <laughs> So this this mood is light and fun to go with all of the crises and <laughs> well, horrible, I mean, horrible badness. I just threw it's out been, some things. Yeah, that, you know. a great how week. much worse? How much worse would it be if we just in vitro fertilized a bunch of women? You know, while we were doing all our collateral damage stuff in various countries around the world. <laughs> we have yeah seven soldiers and one stem cell doctor goes with the team. It's like in Starcraft. You have like seven soldiers and a medic. So in this case, instead of a medic, <laughs> it's like you have a stem cell harvester. And as they, like, put down all the men and kill them and loot their house, then the stem cell guy in vitro fertilizes the woman, and they bring her to a little center, they harvest the, the whatever, the little fetuses, and then they let her go. How much more harm would that really cause? Do you really think people would be that much more outraged at the United States if we did that beyond what we do right now? I'm sorry, I just passed just out. What, what did you say? Barest <laughs> of margins. I'm a utilitarian, man. I don't think we would receive any more flack for doing that than what we're doing right now. So then why not do it? It gets out of all the moral qualms. Uh... You know, only yeah, people like Story would really oppose it. All the moral he has qualms. The sort of, <laughs> no moral qualms are left with that. George Bush's, George Bush's moral qualms. And he's the one vetoing the thing. Everyone else is in support of it. Let's exactly. go. Clearly, what, clearly to get away from moral qualms is the in vitro special forces team. A combination of Adam Zimmerman's Jewish strike force and Russ's Brave New World. We'll just put those things together and now go. Ready, go. Ready, go. But Greg, out of all this death comes life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't you see the beauty of it? Uh, the, see, the, the sad thing is... <laughs> exactly. The sad thing is that I could... But you guys know... In the Pentagon, you guys know that in the Pentagon in these places, there are people whose job is to come up with ridiculously stupid ideas like this and see if one of them sticks. It's Isn't not out of the realm of possibility that someone Darpa hasn't come up that, with that right? idea, you know? I'm telling you it's underway. I saw the Karl Rove memo. It's <laughs> underway. It's really happening. Dude, and then we're going to figure out a way to turn stem cells into oil in addition to, like, spines. And other body parts that we need. What? So we're like, if we grind up all of these spinal cords that we grew through stem cells, we have a new fuel called bionol. And if we put bionol and mix it 85% and 15% gasoline, we can run cars at only $2.65 a gallon. We win again. I'm deeply distressed by all of what we're talking about. Soylent Green is made of Sudanese. <laughs> Just Sudanese. No Americans. Uh, that's um, distressing. The map honest. report, oh. we've got all the solutions. <laughs> I know, exactly. Oh, yeah. this is a great question. I want to ask Story this. Um, have you heard, uh, and this is yes. not brand new, but there you know, these experiments okay. where they're talking about growing meat, as in in a lab. So like meat cultures, where they think they can grow like giant strands of meat from a single cell so we won't have to slaughter animals anymore. You can infuse okay. it with all kinds of vitamins, make it healthier, make it more tasty, make it you know, better texture. And it doesn't involve slaughter. Would you would you eat meat if if it was that kind of meat? I've heard about this. No. no. Why not? I wouldn't. 
Because it's still the concept. I don't know. I mean, you know, would I say that it's better? Sure. You know, it's probably a step in the right direction. But, but what if it's not It's not I like a cow stem me. cell? What if you're just cloning, like, a skin cell that you swabbed off of a cow, and you can turn that into a giant pile of, of hamburger? Like, why not? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be my reaction. I don't know. Hmm. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm gonna need to think about that. All right, you I'm, think about that. I mean, I just wanted to put it out I there. Always, here's the test that I always put it to it. Okay, hang on. I thought about it. I, okay, okay, I did okay. need a second. Wow, you got me totally off guard. Impressive. I haven't ever thought about something like that in my life. I mean, I get. I seriously, for two years, my job at Seneca Center working with kids was like berated, constantly filled with kids asking questions about my long hair, my name, and my vegetarianism. So like I'm very used to like all of the standard stuff. And like seriously, there was one kid who was just obsessed with giving me more and more bizarre vegetarian scenarios of like, okay, but let's say you're on a mountaintop and you haven't eaten in 16 days and you're about to die <laughs> and your three best friends are, have all been killed by cows and the cows are defenseless <laughs> except they killed your friends. Would you eat the cows? And I'm like, uh, why the do you... cows you know? all hate so the I'm Seattle Mariners. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm used to thinking about these things. Right. You know, and, you know, they're making fun of your hair. Uh, eat uh, your own right socks. You know, move. Actually, actually... <laughs> it's been and all they have Emily suspended by one evil hook yeah. over the side of the cliff. Yeah, exactly. Then what would you do? And... <laughs> and Ben Branzel, who's been a vegetarian since he's six, but he loves giving me moral dilemmas like this. So a bunch of these, like, emotionally disturbed kids and Ben Branzel. So I'm used to a lot of beration about this and a lot of, like, would you, would you? How about now? How about now? How about if I stuff the meat down your throat unless you shoot me, huh? How about now? You know, so I'm used to that. And that's, you know, that's fine. But this one, you actually, congratulations, you threw me for a second. But here's... Okay, okay. I, so a cow's about to kick a baby over the mountain. Do you Stop the cow by eating it, oh, and you God. can only stop it by eating it. Right, exactly. This is the, Ben Branzel, yeah. This is what the he only does thing the stopping the cow from dying is that George Bush is humping it from behind. And if you, all you have to do is stop George Bush from humping the cow, the cow will die, and it won't be your fault, and you what? can eat it. Yeah. The cow's yeah, like, stop. And I can blame it on George Bush. The cow's like, stop exactly. it, oh, George. Yeah. Move. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, my God. George Bush anyway. is something a dead cow that hates the Mariners. I'm uh, going to milk this for all that's worth. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, uh, God. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. That was utterly ridiculous. So, if you rewind three minutes, you'll remember uh. that Russ asked me a question about <laughs> whether I would eat the cow that is developed from the swabbed uh, skin cell. And the, the answer is, I mean, the litmus test, I think, is always how do you feel about doing that about your friend? Say that you swab the skin cell off of me. That's that's the litmus test, right? That's what I think should be the same Why? thing. So Why are you, you eating because your that's what I cells? that's what I believe about animals. They should be treated as well as humans, and any human should be treated like friends. a friend. So, They're strangers. I mean, you don't okay. know that. What if you like a cow? Like, uh, what if you have a real good actually, friend? There's no moral distinction, right? Uh, Friendship and family are was. barriers. Friendship Didn't you tell and us family. last show that you and strangers are no. the same, but friends are at a well, higher level than you and strangers for your standards that you set personal, to yourself? On an interpersonal level, yes. On an interpersonal level, but Not on, on a, a moral level, level, friendship... <laughs> okay. Right. Friendship, yeah. Okay. Friendship and family are barriers to moral action. That's clear, right? Like, everything right. that you can ever prove about this 
is that friendship and family make people more selfish, make people irrational, and make people do immoral things because they think they're helping those people. So, you know, those are barriers. So take it to your friend to bring it home to really see if you believe it. And if you construct, you know, a Russ, you know, or Greg. Russ, you asked me the question. Would you eat Greg? Made from yeah. skin cell of Greg. Hey. Would you like eat a succulent Greg? So, invite him over. But it's not. I would not be succulent. Fair, what this is. Meal Greg, of Greg. Greg is still I mean, alive. It, I'm not Greg succulent. is fine. I simply right. have a yeah. tenderloin in front of me that was made from grown Greg cells. That was made from grown Greg. <laughs> and yeah, to, you know, to be fair, it's not <laughs> like a perfect clone of Greg, but it's you know, it no. resembles Greg. It looks like no, Greg. It, it doesn't resemble him. Look like Greg. It's tissue. It's not his whole body. I don't want to eat Greg's elbows. <laughs> his DNA, I want to eat the meat. His DNA I want the isn't in good the, meat. Okay. Thank you for okay. not okay. wanting to, to eat my elbow. I appreciate that. Okay. Okay. So you eat a you eat like a Greg. You can serve it on the menu with fries. Hamburgers That'll do be. not resemble like cows. A Greg. Dude, and then you could have a restaurant that specializes in celebrities. You could eat the celebrities. It would be yes. great. They'd like farm little brilliant. skin from Somebody the Oscars. should be recording be this. Like, this is worse you know. <laughs> This is worse than the Sudanese stem cell yeah. harvesting idea. No, that's great. We're you getting know, smarter like, as we go. We're going to start you with a fine dose of Kiranidli, followed by a roundhouse of leg of death, and we're going to finish it off and wash it all down with a nicely tuned... Death? Leg of death? tuned John Cruck. Death? Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh, Johnny Depp. I was like, a leg of death? He's a celebrity. John Cruck for dessert. I mean, I... John Crook's missing yeah, testicle. We have cloned it and we're serving <laughs> it to you. <laughs> We've created it. <laughs> exactly. Rocky Mountain Crook. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would totally eat that. I'm a utilitarian. If it tastes good, it's not harming anybody, why wouldn't I eat it? Okay, Come let's on. go to the middle ground. Greg, would you eat would you eat Rocky Mountain Crook <laughs> or Lego Russ <laughs> or <laughs> any of these things? I, can I? All right. Well, here's the other thing. Tasty. I might presume that they don't. Greg, oh, thank you. If it thank was you. Greg, tasty. I might. I might call Greg and ask for Greg's consent before I did it. To I eat myself? Say, Is it okay if I eat your clones? Not you. You want me to give you permission to hamburger. eat myself? It's not you. It's just cells but grown it, into meat. But that it's like your me. DNA. That's all. It's only one step from that to me, isn't it? It's just your DNA. Okay. Wait. Wait. Okay. Wait. Wait. Let me ask you. Wait. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Is it? Would okay. you have been given a choice between eating like me or Story, like our clones, and you chose me? Because then that's not right. It's not a clone <laughs> person. It's just tissue. It's like I, I'm sorry, Greg. You're not overweight in any way, but you've got more meat on your bones than I do. I think you've got to pick the leg of Greg. I don't know. I think, but you could be I like you got to go. You're like that. a rack of you're like, like a rack okay. of ribs. Some Can people I like give that. you a better analogy. You know. If humans had the ability to digest they hair, like meat on the rib. nobody would care because we grow back hair. If you cut off some hair, put it in a bowl, and somebody else can eat it, and it feeds them, that would be fine because you can grow it back. It doesn't hurt you. So it is the same analogy. If you can grow tissue out of you but it doesn't hurt you because it's made in a lab, then, yeah, you would eat it. It would be fine. If you want to eat my hair, you can eat my hair all day long. I don't give a shit. If somehow that works for you... That's fine. Ever since Russ started growing his hair back, now all of a sudden he's got delusions of grandeur. He's like, oh, I'll give you my hair to consume. <laughs> eat like, my hair on a Sunday. Eat <laughs> my hair, hair by frying it. Do whatever you want with my hair. I have so much if hair. If you could eat, eat fingernail clippings, nobody would mind to give you their fingernail clippings to eat. I, I mean, I guess see, I did see the same sure, article that he was talking about. Certain people would mind. I, guess, I would not mind. I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't mind. I would just be like, 
but it would depend on the choices available. I'd be like, why are you eating me over hamburger? Because Russ is already a meat eater and so am I. So the question would be like, if we were a story, vegetarians who had the option to eat meat without slaughter, would then we eat tissue that had been grown that was like, you know, from the same DNA as one of us, right? Isn't that the argument? It's not, would meat eaters eat meat? The argument is, would vegetarians eat meat if it didn't involve killing things? I think it's interesting that you're squirming about this, though, because I think that shows something about the the fact. No, I'm because, asking a question. I mean, the distinction there this is, is a totally personal well, thing. Like cows aren't Greg's friends. That's the distinction. No, Greg doesn't befriend I mean, cows. What this comes down to is what the right. f are you doing trying <laughs> but, to eat? But what me? I'm saying is that's what it comes down to. <laughs> right. What I'm saying is, for my purposes, this uh, is my litmus test, right? For my purposes, I right. treat the cows as though they were my friends. Right. So if Greg is squirming, Russ's intuition is, you know, but Russ sort of fights my base intuition anyway. And, like, I see Greg as someone who can see the point of vegetarianism and Russ yes, not as much. that's true. From their just base perspective. That's true. Right. Oh, actually, so, uh, I, I disagree with that. I really okay. do well, I mean, absolutely empathize with vegetarians. For me personally, okay. the reason that I can't do it is that I need so much protein that it's totally not feasible for me to be a vegetarian. Otherwise, I would consider it. Well, there are ways. There's a lot of there's a lot of soy being grown in this world. It could happen. I would just you be a really cranky man all the time. I would never be funny again you just if have I became to eat a vegetarian. A little more, which I don't think would be trouble for you. You you tend it, to wait. Eat a it wouldn't be anyway. trouble for Russ to eat more so. than he already does. I just can't get enough protein. No, you could. Anyway, I'm not going to have this argument. <laughs> okay. The point all is, right. but like as a utilitarian, I feel like I mean, other than the environmental issues. Which is a whole other reason, but not right. really why I'm a vegetarian. Sure. Right. But, you know, the environmental issues are very utilitarian. Oh, yeah. But the base totally. reasons that I'm a vegetarian, not very intuitive to Russ. I think more intuitive to Greg, though not completely intuitive mm-hmm. to Greg. Regardless of which, I think it's interesting that Greg, sort of taking the role of me in this situation, is squirming about it. Is saying, ah, why are you eating me? Why da 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 And so that intuition leads me to believe that I would probably still not not eat this stuff. Now, uh, you know, and if I thought about it, probably I would agree. Probably well, I think I wouldn't want to eat Lego, my friend, even if my friend consented. And, I mean, you can't really get consent. What if but, it came you know, with Even if sauce. my friend were vaguely okay with it. Oh, well then. Or no. curry. No, but uh, what I was going to uh, ask yeah. was, right. but, see, but, but see, my argument would be, the problem with using Story as a, as a kind of example of this is that Story doesn't like to eat. If it were up to Story, food would be destroyed from the earth if he could get That's away with true. it. Story doesn't like food. You need to find yeah. somebody who would love to There's eat no meat if they didn't have the moral conditions of that. Because like the reason I agree with Story is that I basically think that morally, yeah, yeah. I like the taste of meat, and I have no particular, I think that we're omnivores, and so I think that you know it makes sense for humans to eat a combination of food. My the reason that I intuitively understand what story is saying is because I think that probably it is morally wrong to be killing animals for food, and so the question then becomes: if you could avoid that, I don't think I would have any moral issues left. My squeamishness is coming at the fact that you're making this into like you know the island of Doctor Moreau, where all of a sudden you're like, hello, would you like some Greg with your fries of story and your leg of Clea or something? I mean, like, and that's that's the part that I'm having trouble with. Not so much the that's my squeamishness issue. Like the fact that like I don't name my burger Tom, right? I'm not like, oh look, let's go put Bessie on the grill, even though like by definition that's technically what we're doing. I my reaction mm-hmm. is just like it's probably right. immoral. You don't like to think about what you're actually exactly. Doing. But I mean, when right. I do in, think in, about it, I recognize that vegetarians fact, are right. Yeah. But if you took that out of the equation, then I don't know that I would agree with vegetarians. 
If you took the killing of creatures, I probably Bush is wrong. What? But if you took that out of the equation, then I totally no, 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 no. No, I mean, no, I mean, no. But he is wrong. No. So I mean, if you take the killing of the no, I mean, if you took the slaughter part out of the equation and you were just growing it in the lab. Okay. Look. Hitler, Hitler was a terrible guy. You take that out of the equation, and he's all right. Besides the fact that he sucked. I mean, yeah, that is defined <laughs> by me. If you take the terrible out, what does he do? He eats food. He probably he paints. hugs his wife. Well, no. He paints, he paints a little. No, on but the no, no. But I don't agree with that because what story? I don't think that like we just established. <laughs> even if you took slaughter away, story still wouldn't like meat because story doesn't like food. That's that's right. the problem. Even if well, I could you show you, we're making no, clear what you were talking point. about with right. That's and wrong. an important point. Well, Greg. I mean, yeah, because I'm like, look, you actually have to want a reason if we to have remade, a tasty moral burger. Exactly. If but we, story doesn't really care exactly. that it's a tasty moral burger. Exactly. It doesn't. Right. Exactly. And, if we remade Soylent Green, if we remade Soylent Green, story would be like, they're made. Do you realize what it's made of? Soylent Green is made of crap, and I have to eat his. He'd be yelling at the fact that it was food. He's like, I have to eat. Not that it was made of humans. That's that's what would happen if story were there. It's well, food. Oh, not it's exactly. made of food. I mean. <laughs> this, is, this is being exaggerated <laughs> slightly, but yes, yeah, I don't like food a ton. There are some foods that I like, but I'll give you an example. Robin, you know, to sort of prove not only quesadillas, well, and okay. rice. Uh, <laughs> no, not that I'll give you an example of food that I like. I'll give you an example at <laughs> this point. That only takes two there seconds are, anyway. You may as well do of that. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. The point is that. When I, you know, I, when I was becoming a vegetarian, I did it over a very gradual process, over like three years, where I slowly, step by step, gave up different things. The hardest thing for me to give up was bacon, and I really liked bacon, <laughs> bacon. and bacon was sort of a long, hard sell. Bacon was great, man. I really Dude, liked bacon. That was the last They're going to be able bacon to grow shrimp. bacon. That's right. They're going to okay. grow bacon. No, no, no. It's going to happen Hear me in your out. lifetime. I'm covering that example. Okay? All right. Here so, it comes. Okay. So... About a year, year and a half ago, uh, Emily bought me some soy bacon for, you oh, know, Jesus. we were going to have like a pancake breakfast thing or soy something. Bacon. And she got me some soy bacon. And I was sort of intrigued, but I was like, you know, we'll see. And I cooked it up. And I could not eat. I ate one and I could not eat any more because it was so similar to bacon. And I was so freaked out by the idea of meat because I've been a vegetarian for a decade now. And I'm so, like, the connection to anything that looks, tastes, smells like meat is so negative in my mind. And just my whole framework of approaching it is so negative that I couldn't, mm. even though I could recognize it as the taste that I liked, you know, once upon a time, the freakiness and the unpleasantness of that oh. overrode any taste value. I've got a reverse so, thing for you yeah, then. So, and yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I've so, got a reverse thing for so you then. clearly... Even even if I felt like it were okay morally, practically, I would never go back to doing that just because meat, you know, now a generation that grew up with meat raised from, you know, flakes of skin, I don't know. You know, maybe they could do it and maybe that would be fine. Certainly, certainly I can categorically say it would be better. It would be much better. But, okay, well, then let me give you a I reverse example. I would still only eat vegetables. Now, you were freaked out by the fact sure. that Emily got you some soy bacon and it tasted and looked so much like bacon that you were freaked out. What if you were given a block right. of meat that looked exactly and tasted exactly like tofu? No, it's all aspects. It's all like visual... Visual texture, right. taste. What if it looked and tasted exactly like? 
it, what if what if you like had soy milk except it was made out of real milk, but it tasted and looked like soy milk? What? <laughs> well, I'm saying like, what if you reverse cheese? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure a vegan. A I'm not a vegan. Okay. Cheese, so this example yeah. is totally All right, so not cheese. But no, but my point is like, my point is, is it the reaction? My point is it like this sort of physical reaction to it that you're like, like what is it that's sort of the that that is the root of your dislike of it beyond the moral stuff? Do you know what I'm saying? Like if somebody reversed it and made it because you make you make the ickiness, right? Exactly, exactly. The meat, yeah. I mean, I think I have trained myself by, you know, <laughs> going from rational thought about it to taking moral action on it to considering it taboo for myself, that I have trained myself to have a visceral, intuitive gut reaction to anything that reminds me of it as, a, as an aid to enforcing my moral dictum to myself. I see. So, I have a question. So any part of that texture taste, whatever, will trigger that. And, and it is a physical reaction, but the physical reaction is generated entirely by sort of my self-imposed, you know, thoughts about this. I, that's my guess. In the same way that any of us would start to be cold and sweaty and, you know, be concerned if we were given a loaded revolver and, you know, asked to shoot someone. Like, we have all kinds of moral things that, you know, we impose on ourselves to try to induce good behavior and avoid bad behavior. Hmm. Theory. Dead silence. <laughs> I think theoretically that's true. I think most I mean, of the time it just comes I'm down to... I'm not saying to, everyone yeah. does that. I think no. that I, de- I definitely make I have very few emotional to reactions that. to anything bad. I just say, that okay, this is wrong. Me. Not at all. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this does not shock me. The utilitarian does not do this. However, the no. <laughs> entirely means-based person does do this. Right. <laughs> Check. How about Moving this on. hypothetical, sir? You've heard of, uh, okay. I'm sure you've heard of biofarming, the whole inducing genetic changes in crops that's been going on and how yes. very often, and this has been a perg issue, where they'll be done in open farms, and so theoretically you can contaminate right. other crops with the crazy genetic changes you've made right. in various crops, and it's all very bad. What if, by some crazy happenstance, all of a sudden there's like a sentience gene that sort of spilled into these crops, into some corn, that there was supposed to be in a lab. And then all of a sudden this contaminates other crops, and then you have these plants that are starting to resemble things that move and think for themselves. (laughs) What do you do with your life? Can you eat anything ever again? Are you allowed to eat food? Maybe not. I'm not sure. He's fine with that. I mean, there's got to be something, right? I'll find that? something that's not contaminated <laughs> or whatever. Like, I mean, no, that's uh, that's obviously a terrifying idea, and but you know, what if, and when they what if start you don't splicing know? things, I mean, not, like the whole world doesn't have start, to be contaminated. It's just that you know there are sentient plants out there, and you can't ever guarantee that a piece of celery wasn't at some <laughs> point a live piece of celery. Oh my god! So I do mean, you eat? Maybe. It? I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> I just have this image like of like how, a uh, ear of corn playing the harmonica. It's like I hope that they don't get me, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've seen cartoons. We know what these things. We know what animate yeah. food looks like. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, I mean, I would probably, if I took it seriously, if it seemed like a legitimate threat, it seemed likely, and I, you know, had reason to take it seriously. 
I would probably try to start my own farm in my own backyard and keep it safe and try really hard to find seeds that, you know, I had every reason to believe weren't contaminated. And, and I would find it hard to believe also that I would be the most cutting-edge person on this issue, right? Like, there are definitely people who... <laughs> like, there are people who are off the grid, right? There are people Story who Clayton, have cutting divorced edge, themselves yeah. from society and gone off the grid. And, like, there are clearly people who are more serious about this whole movement and this perspective than I am and more power to them you know I happen to think that you know it's better to be in part of society and connected and try to influence it a little bit but so you know I could take my cues from those people whatever seeds they were buying to grow their farm in their crazy biodiesel world I'm sure I could find some of those and and do a little subsistence farming in the back you know but so what if the biodiesel was fueled by Burmese stem cells then it's all corrupt (laughs) Well, then I'll just have to shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> Only in that case, though. <laughs> oh, right. We'll talk about it when we get there. That's fine. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, fine. Can I ask, Wait till don't shoot yourself. Fine. We're <laughs> on the subject of bizarre moral circumstances. Um, if you were given a choice between consuming a you know, dead piece... Um, no, you shouldn't feed your baby to your dog. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that's good. It. I hadn't thought of that, but no. Unless it was really hungry. Uh, yeah. And the baby was, you know. Yeah, given a choice between a talented. dead, between a dead piece of, you know, between a dead animal, so you'd be kill, you wouldn't have to be killing the creatures already dead, right? And a live, animate, okay, piece of corn, say. <laughs> I love that that part of the analogy has survived into the next. Okay, I like this living, breathing, emotional corn idea. Let's bring that into the next question. So, I mean, actually, actually, let me go back a step because I also have another answer for Ross. I think that is that, and this may sound totally bizarre, but it is something that I've often said, and this often just gets blank looks from people. But I've often said that I would never eat a Venus flytrap. Because, you know, I mean... What? <laughs> you know what that means. Because it looks like it's alive. Oh, right, exactly. Kind of because it has behaviors. It is as close as we have. Like, I actually put in the animal quiz on the Blue Pyramid, I put Venus flytrap as one of the 128 animals. Because I think that is the closest example we have to something that's sort of crossing that divide between plant and animal. So. I would never eat a Venus flytrap because I see it as showing signs of life that go beyond just the average plant life. Similarly, I I find mushrooms, not only do I find mushrooms disgusting and repugnant for all kinds of reasons, but I find the properties of mushrooms kind of a little borderline and a little squeamish. So you would also not eat... Mario Brothers too much as a child. Right. No, not not like that. You would also... (laughs) You're like, I want to hit it. Um, Yes, they walk around and they bought me and and they give me superpowers. And I I I can throw fireballs. Um, Would you eat... uh, I guess what I was going to ask was, oh shoot, I just forgot, I forgot the, I forgot the, the thought I was, I was having about that. Oh, about the, yeah, about the Venus flytrap thing. So then you would stay away from things like, say, a slime mold, right? Because a slime mold, for part of the time, is right. like frozen and inanimate, but for other parts of the time, actually crawls along. It's technically borderline. I mean, not that you'd be tempted to eat a slime mold anyway. I'm assuming sure. that's not on the top of your list right. of like delicacies. I mean, but normally I would be lining up for slime mold stew. Right, but, slime yeah. mold. But that's the one thing holding me back. Mm, yummy. True. Well, that's kind of how I feel about mushrooms, and I'm sure I would feel about Venus flytraps if anyone served them. I'm sure these are all... F- the things on the board oh seem to have the common property that? of being disgusting. 
there's that insect that can genetically design to um, disguise itself as a twig. You've seen that thing, right? That's oh, really yeah, there getting you go. close. <laughs> it's kind of borderline. Yeah, it just sits there all day. And does yeah. nothing. It looks like a stick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like what? what it's true. Yeah. None of these things would I eat. Not well, what about insects? What about like chocolate covered ants? Chocolate covered ants. I put some salsa on the stick bug. You love Yeah, there are chocolate covered ants. Well, maybe maybe if it dances the salsa, then maybe I'll do that. We can all envision Stick bug dances the salsa in an earthquake. That's how they survive with the camouflage. Yeah, I think as Americans, we're sort of programmed to believe that all ingredients in salsa dance to uh, Hispanic music. Anyway, (laughs) they just sort of. Well, it is a kind of dance. It's a kind of (laughs) dance. I meant the salsa dance. Uh. The play on words. Well, I was just going another direction with that. That's fine. I don't have to accept the pun. Okay. I can just move right on. You do. Yeah, <laughs> make it more pun. Yeah, exactly. You have to yeah, accept you're right. Seriously. I'm going to force right force acceptance. All right. All right. All Use right. your puns. Don't shoot yourself. <laughs> these are all fine. <laughs> all of these concessions I'm getting out of rush. I see. you do. I get to live and make puns all at the same time. But not both. But not both. No. That's so both. interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Both. Both is fine. So these live all or right. make puns. Now that's a moral dilemma. That ah. is something difficult. <laughs> Give up puns or die. Now that, that one would keep me up at night. Sound Eating like the Church mold, of England. No. <laughs> but this one. Okay, <laughs> Gardez. So, puns are dead. When, story, no when you before, yeah. when you said before oh, that yeah. you thought that when family was concerned, people tended to be more selfish. Do you think you yourself would be impacted oh, yeah. in that same selfish way? So like in the terrible hypothetical example of the cow holding Emily hostage, in that situation, do you have a feeling right. that you would react more selfishly because because the cow was I mean, horrendous? Oh I no, no, love no. that this so is... much. Would you kill and eat an assailant of your family <laughs> because you hated them so much? No, I mean... You assaulted is... everything I love and now I will eat you for lunch. <laughs> And you're already <laughs> assaulted, so you should I be all set. I don't think he's engaging yeah. the, the eating. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what God. if it was a I living piece over. of corn that was assailing Emily? What right <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, my hope, to answer it somewhat seriously, this is, again, another question that people love to engage pacifists right, on right. is, you know, what if they and and uh, we've already been through this actually. I'm yes, like, we have. And in fact, we we've this. had this on a map report. I mean, it was several weeks ago. It was probably like map report nine or something. It was a long several time ago. weeks ago. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but yes, if, my if my George entire... Bush is humping you to death, do you stop <laughs> right. him? Right, physically. Right, physically. Right. Sorry. My entire my entire hope and self training that I was talking about and everything else is to where violence is concerned at the very least, because that's the line I think is reasonable and I draw for myself, uh, is that I would not act selfishly for on anyone's behalf, my own or anyone that I care about. And, you know, the people who are close to me are all aware of that, and so that's part of the package. But, uh, you know, when push comes to shove, I don't know. I've certainly many, many, many times not defended myself or friends of mine in situations that I've been in, you know, none of them were life-threatening. Well, 
not quite. You know, but uh, so I hope I have the conviction and the strength to follow through with that. I can't guarantee anything, but that's my hope and my training. And it's so interesting though, because that's that. like the exact opposite of what Russ would do. Because I think if even if Russ firmly believed in like the rightness of right. something, if his friend was being threatened either by a live piece of corn or by a cow, he would attack the corn and the cow because you know it was his friend that was involved, right? Russ, and is that accurate? Both. Sure. Well, okay, the right. <laughs> eat both in a nice Hollandaise. <laughs> no, yeah, to be perfectly, as a utilitarian, again, my argument is, well, as far as I can tell, given all the information at hand, the world would be a better place given that guy who's trying to murder people is not around and guy who's my friend who's a good human being is around. And so that, you know, affects a lot of my actions towards them. I'm just trying to improve the situation. Right. I want to do as little damage as possible, but when push, you know, I'm not there trying to instigate. I'm not out there trying to, like find out what's wrong about people so I can have a reason to euthanize them. That's not what I'm about. <laughs> like, interrogating them. Would you do this? What did you oh, do you don't you deserve six? life. Uh -huh. Sorry. You've I, like, I dangle the safe above their head, right? I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you can go. Yeah. No, I don't do that. Yeah, because it's, it's just... It's funny that... This is in the most drastic situation. This is actually the same kind of thing which comes up all the time with um, when I'm teaching the book I Robot by Isaac Asimov because, as you guys will know, that book assumes three basic laws. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You teach iRobot? Yeah, I teach it in my fantasy fiction class. Yeah, Greg does really cool stuff. I teach it in my fantasy fiction class. He does really cool stuff. I teach a fantasy fiction class, dude. Absolutely. I teach a Wizard of Earth People don't know that Greg does really cool stuff. Maybe we should back up to where you teach a fantasy fiction class. Yeah, absolutely. I've been doing that for a while. Is that like fantasy baseball? Nope. Fantasy fiction. I teach... You can teach a fantasy baseball class. I teach Beowulf, Grendel... No, no, no. That's totally... Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'll pick Legolas, and then you go next. Okay. Who do you want? Do you want Aslan? Actually, no. I totally retract that. I totally pick Aslan first. Okay. Now you guys can That's, go. Yeah. It's, He's immortal. Right, it's, what do I you just got? want to be a TA. I want to be a TA in this class, please. <laughs> just, I just want some authority. It usually is pretty fun. They, to be like, I picked Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer is awesome, and now you all know it. That's all I want to say. And then I'll fantasy. stop. That would be tremendous in fantasy fiction class. Oh, man. Aslan is so last year, man. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh man! But I think he's gonna. Yeah. But I teach I robot. All right, I take Luke Skywalker. That's <laughs> yeah, good. Oh, oh, good call. That's good. That's good, good call. Good call. Of course you do. Um, but I when I teach Greg, when up. I teach this class, <laughs> I uh, when I teach this class the Fox the Greg. laws of robotics. First round. I'm not gonna get this story out. Two am picks I? in a row. Okay, I'm gonna ch choose. Uh, <laughs> gonna get the auto pick. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Go oh. ahead. Laws of robotics. All right, laws of robotics. Sorry. And by the way, I would Go choose ahead. the robot. I, the, the, laws robot. the, robot. the robot. The laws of the robots. The laws of the robots. It's gonna make you auto pick Will Smith yeah, exactly. because of some crap. No, no, don't even get me started on that. If you don't choose yourself. Don't even get me started on that. That garbage, which is not iRobot. But one of the things that stupid auto. The whole idea of iRobot was that there are these three laws, right? And the three laws basically say the first yeah, law is thinking? you can't attack. Yeah. The first law is that robots can do no harm or by inaction cause harm to happen to humans. So basically, right. it's like an absolute. Okay. Oh, law number yeah, two yeah. is that mm -hmm. robots right. must obey humans except when that would come into conflict with law number one. Okay, And then so you can't order a robot to go kill somebody right. else. And then law number three is a robot will protect itself at all costs except when that comes into conflict with either law two or law one. 
So then all of these moral right. imperatives, right. and Asimov's whole point, and this is why the iRobot movie is such an anathema, the whole point of Asimov was that this was to sort of, you know, reverse the thinking of 50 years where people were like, robots will all take over the earth and they'll all blow up and they'll take us over. And Asimov was like, what if you constructed a series of laws such that robots would actually be better morally than humans? Because unlike humans, they would be obligated to the morality. So you could have like a robot politician who would always be thinking about what was best for humans and that person could not be bought that robot could not be bought could not be sold could not be bribed it was you know a sort of perfect moral agent wasn't affected by emotion whatever and his whole point was that the laws would do this and so all these moral things come up all the time about how like well if there's a robot who sees five people in a house and this murderer is going in to kill the five people what is he going to do and the answer is he'd try to stop the murderer without killing him but if the only way to do it would, would be to kill him is he would probably kill him and then go mad because it would have like buzzed out his laws because he couldn't like handle the paradox right. well that it the presented. whole question the whole question is that the first law, I mean, it, it sounds great in theory, but I mean, I think the movie did a good job. The thing I did like about the movie was sort of the end scenario that they come up with where they're like, the only moral solution for humans is to prevent more humans from making any decisions for themselves because humans are constantly flawed and immoral, unlike us. So we'll make all the decisions. Yeah. And I do think that that is a reasonable, yeah, that's not... logical, final extension the problem is that the that's, I understand yeah. it's not what iRobot is trying to express, but I think that it was. I still appreciated that part of it because I think that's a really brilliant yeah. analysis of the fact that it depends basically fundamentally, at the very least, on a binary decision of whether you're going to act in a utilitarian fashion or in a means-based oh, yeah. fashion. And, but that's yeah. the thing, though, right, is that any time that you have robots or you have humans interacting in any way – robots are going to act in such a way that humans will be better off. So that at the end of iRobot, the book, what actually happens is that these supercomputers, which humans created, have more or less taken over. But what Asimov does that's so brilliant about it is it's he, the whole the last chapter of the book is called the evitable conflict and the whole idea is that now humans can't destroy themselves because basically robots are in control but as asimov envisions it that is a good thing like he doesn't envision it as oh well they've taken over and we no longer have autonomy it's his argument is that humans were always right. subject to forces beyond our control we were subject to governments we were subject to weather we were subject to all these things and the fact that we now have something yeah, which an is an animal instinct and yeah, all exactly. that stuff exactly and the sure. idea that we now have creatures working in our benevolent instinct and we're working for us benevolently, part of which will be we can't just let humans stagnate because that would be bad for them. So we're going to allow them to continue to progress and grow. It's so brilliant because it suggests that maybe it's not the worst thing for us to lose individual autonomy, which like goes against the grain of every human thing ever, right? Because we're all about individual freedom and choice and da da da. The idea that maybe individual autonomy isn't the number one thing all the time. That's what Asimov really reflects in his book. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's, I don't know that I agree with it, but I think it's an amazing way of looking at it rather than being yeah. like, oh, they're taking over the world. I mean, He's like, they are taking over the world and that's good. Right. I mean, Brave New World's the exact same concept, right? I mean, in a, obviously a very different form yeah. and, and function. And worse written. And, you know, also a great book. <laughs> but, no. I don't like Brave no. New World. Oh, come on. But Brave New World's the exact same idea. It's just that it doesn't say that it's positive right. to have economy replaced by everybody being artificially happy. There's no meaning to that act because then there's no distinction between this is, here's your, the uh, meat of your argument at least you've right here. Moral. Pay attention. I there's sense, no distinction I sense we're doing our determinism discussion. Yeah, that's true. We probably shouldn't do that. And I see a robot. Yeah. Then like you have converted... Ahead. In iRobot, you convert humans into robots, and then you can't tell the difference between the only difference between the robots and the humans is but the robots they are, are the robots. We and just the don't humans, have all the and everybody's yet. robotic. 
Okay, now. what if you're facing a robot? Would context. you eat a robot We're too that small had, to like, see it. <laughs> uh, that was your made students of a really never come up with that argument? Oh yeah, Greg? all the time. So they never sure, they do that all the time. But then we're robots, and then there's no value. Yes, they say that all the then time. Then there's no value to being a human. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's a classic okay. free will argument that comes right out of the Judeo-Christian principle. And the response that you make is, why? Why does it matter it if it has? It goes a lot beyond Judeo-Christianity. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's roots. There's a lot of people who believe that beyond Judeo-Christianity. Right. No, 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 no. But my point is, let me ask you a question. Root, that but it well comes from those. Bring, but it yeah, comes bringing from that God. Root. Bringing God into the Judeo-Christian equation, isn't he just like a crappy utilitarianist? Because instead of designing a system where people are actually forced to act morally, he just sets up heaven and hell as like an incentive. So it's like, this will be really, really great or really, really shitty for you if you don't follow my rules. But you have the choice. But basically he's coercing them into making oh, the right yeah. choice. That's why I don't believe in heaven and hell. And I think that doing so is fundamentally flawed. And I don't okay, attribute so you agree my belief that to Judeo-Christianity. That God is oh, a crappy yeah. utilitarian. Heaven and hell not, were not invented by, yes, heaven and hell are constructions of pragmatic religious leaders who are trying to get followers. I think everybody cool. knows. Everybody, huh? I mean, I just clearly know, not I didn't everyone know that in the world actually knows system. that. There are I many, many sure people. Are you seriously? Have we never discussed, we've spent all these hours discussing theology and you thought I might believe in hell? Really? I thought there was a chance. Really? He Maybe. only believes in hell on earth, no, Russ. no. Only when given the choice between, you know, killing the cow that George Bush is <laughs> And it all doing, comes and, full know, circle. Saving Emily by... Yes. That's the only hell on earth. It it's well, really, yeah. it's true. God is like Isaac Asimov, and he's setting up the laws for man and saying, okay, fine, you can do whatever you want, but it'll be really great or you'll burn forever. Okay? So those are your laws. Yeah. Now you're robots. No, if, I be if that were the only way to believe something, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. If you really analyze it reasonably and believe it, it doesn't make any sense because it takes most of the meaning out of it. There is as much meaning as you have freedom. And if you have, and that's why I believe in a system where you basically have absolute freedom to travel through the universe from life to life and planet to planet, however you, you want, and you're guided and you're encouraged, but you really have whatever choices you end up wanting. And that's, but if you don't, you know, but the, the main point is, yeah, if you have a heaven and hell based system, then you're basically saying you have like 20% free will if you're irrational exactly. or whatever else. Exactly. And we're going to throw in like random stupid stuff like, for no reason, if you don't happen to get lucky and hear about us, you know, during your life on Earth, then you're condemned <laughs> for Whammy. no reason. You know, yeah. I mean, Sorry. obviously, I no don't Satan, think no Satan, no Satan, no Satan, no Satan, no Satan. This is why. This is why I. Right, this is why <laughs> I have not uh, participated in organized religion for I see. many, many years <laughs> in any way. Because That's ultimate whammy. I, I think that. That's like being born in Sudan. That's a whammy. That's why your yeah, stem cells exactly. get harvested. That's good. Sorry. That's like, That's good. No, that was great. That was great. You were born before Jesus. I was bringing it Wet up foot. all the top. I, I you <laughs> live to be two year. You live to be two days old. Wetfoot. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you were born somewhere where they had not translated the Bible into your language. Wetfoot. Oh, right. Like, I think this should on. be a. Ch I think this should be a challenge. <laughs> come on. Who? What kind of god would that be? I, God's like a bad bureaucrat <laughs> who can't get across. To, I mean, what the. That's, no. And this is why it makes it so hard to be like a, an ardent religious believer in the world of... This is why there's so many disbelievers, because people think that to be religious or to believe in God, you have to believe in at least one of the theologies that has ridiculousness like that. At least one of them. You know, you can pick amongst your ridiculousnesses, but they all have them. And it's like, no, Listeners, you really can believe in things actually making which sense. Which ridiculousness you do you think is it best? Out, in 10 to 20 years, what theology would make sense? I think God had it figured out. <laughs> well, 
on that note, and, and rant. we do have to wrap it up for the week. We want to thank everybody for listening as usual. Remind everyone to go check us out at Cast Wars. And if you have a thought about stories ridiculousness, if you yourself are a piece of living corn and would like to weigh in on the discussion of whether you'd like to be eaten by a cow that is being humped by George Bush, dude, they can totally please be let us know. Or if that you wish to dine on my fingernail leaving. Yes, yes. Oh, exactly. If you want to eat Russ's new hair, please make sure that you email the rep report and do all that kind of cool <laughs> stuff. And otherwise, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you guys also, next week. the map report will not evacuate you from Lebanon. Don't yes, call. Yes, we're not going to do that. Sorry. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Say goodbye, everybody. Her, we will not say more. You made it. You got it. And I might My like a milkshake as well. The Map Report is brought to you by the Coalition of Talking Emu Heads, the Animated Cucumbers of Justice, and listeners like you. Please vote for the Map Report at podcastalley.com. Add us to your favorites at podcastpickle.com. You can email Russ, Story, or Greg at themapreport.com, or leave a voicemail at 206-600-MAP1. You can also do an emu dance in the privacy of your own home to support the show. Thanks for listening.